We're coming to the conclusion of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And Paul is finishing his letter, kind of culminating and bringing to a close everything that he has taught from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 6. And so this is a big, a big one this morning. This is the, the final words. So let's pray that the eyes of our hearts, our spiritual eyes would be open to the spiritual truths that we're going to read this morning and that we would apply them to our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we say it every Sunday. Lord, your word is powerful. It's real. It's active. It's relevant to today. It wasn't just written for a time period way in the past, but Lord, it's relevant for today. And so, Father, I pray because it's relevant that you would open our spiritual eyes to see the truth that's in your word this, this morning. And I pray that our hearts would be open to it and that we would apply it and that the truth would set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you're a follower of Christ, I want you to know that you're engaged in a spiritual battle whether you realize it or not. This is not a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle, all right? This is a battle between light and darkness. This is a battle between heaven and hell. This is a battle between God and Satan. This is a battle um, that it's a life and death battle with the devil and his evil forces who are determined to destroy the son or daughters of God. The devil does not abide by any rules of battle because we are a child of God. We are one of his primary targets. We cannot fight this battle with physical weapons. We need help from the outside, the help of the Holy Spirit. Because this battle is a spiritual battle, it is in the realm of the Spirit that we must do battle. It is very important that we utilize the spiritual weapons that are available to us as a believer to fight this battle. As I mentioned, the Apostle Paul is finishing his letter to the Ephesians here in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. He is sitting, chained, in a Roman prison, under the company of a Roman soldier, the Praetorian Guard, the elite army corpse. And he's looking at their armor that these soldiers are wearing, and he begins to write as if a metaphor showing us how the Roman soldier is dressed is how we need to be dressed. And he identifies seven pieces of weaponry that a follower of Christ must put on in order to be dressed for battle. In verse 10 there it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, we're not to be dressed for this spiritual battle in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own gifts or talents. Instead, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, friends, we're in our most vulnerable state when we think that we can overcome the enemy in our own strength, that we can overcome the temptations that we face in our own ability without the Lord's help. Remember when Jesus and the disciples were on the Mount of Olives? 
And Peter said to Jesus, I will never deny you. And Jesus responded before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter answered, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. What happened? Peter died, denied him, didn't he? Peter, in the area where he felt so strong in himself, blew it. See, friends, this source of strengthening comes from without, not from within. And it's not a one-time strengthening either. We have to be plugged into God's power supply daily and moment by moment. And if we rely on our natural strength to accomplish this supernatural work, we are doomed to failure just like Peter. The challenge of the Christian life is to live every day in total, complete dependence upon the Spirit's enabling power. And when God's work is done by God's people, in God's way, empowered by the Spirit of God, look out. We are a force to be reckoned with. And so my prayer again is that the Lord would open our spiritual eyes to see the truth that resides within this passage of Scripture. The challenge every day, as Oswald Chambers once wrote, says God never gives strength for tomorrow or for the next hour, but only for the strain of the minute. Every minute of every day, we need to be strengthened or made strong in the Lord. Why? Because this spiritual battle is continual. The devil never stops. He never ceases. This is an everyday, every minute thing. Let me ask you, do you have areas within your life that you struggle with on a regular basis? Are you plugged into God's power supply? Who are you relying on to fight this spiritual battle? Verse 11, Paul writes, in order to be dressed for battle, you need to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the evil schemes of the devil. There's an urgency in Paul's command, and you can sense this as you are reading these verses. There's an urgency here because we're in an intense spiritual battle. We are to put on this armor, and we're to put it on now. He says, you have to put on this armor because no one else is going to put this armor on for you. God won't force you to put the armor on. You have to make the choice of whether or not you put it on because God's not going to force you. Note this armor is different than a Roman soldier's armor because it has to be put on from the inside. Why do we put on the whole armor of God? Paul says in order to stand against the schemes of the devil. Man, when I read that this week, it just took on a whole different meaning. That word stand was just so illuminated to me. It wasn't, Paul didn't say march or go forward or, or advance. He said stand. And to stand means to make firm. It means to fix. It means to establish, to cause a person or thing to keep his or her place. It means to be immovable like the foundation of a building. It means to be ready. It means to be prepared. It means to be one who does not waver. It brought me back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, 
14 where it says that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul says that we may be equipped. Remember the fivefold ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11? It says God has given the church those gifts to build up the church in a maturity so that we, as the body of Christ, would not give in to the evil schemes of the enemy, his deceitfulness. Also, this standing is not a casual standing, but it's a digging in. We have to dig in. The shoes worn by Roman soldiers had thick, cleat-like spikes up to three inches long. On the bottom of them. And these spikes helped them hold their ground and not be knocked off balance. See, too, too often we show up for this spiritual battle naked. We don't put our armor on. We're not dressed for battle against the devil's schemes. And friends, just as much as God loves you and has a plan and purpose for your life, Satan hates you and has a purpose for your life, and that purpose is death and destruction. So Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded. He says, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Christian author David Jeremiah wrote this regarding the devil's schemes. He said, if you could sneak into Satan's office, if he had one, wherever that would be, if not in hell itself, somewhere, and if you were to take a peek in his files, you might be surprised to find a file folder with your name on it. Pastor Jeremiah said, I'm not exaggerating. He keeps a file on you. And then inside that file are all the strategies that he has tried on you over the years. The ones that have worked and the ones that have failed. He doesn't waste his time with the ones that don't work anymore. Instead, he uses variations on the strategies that have caused you to stumble in the past. And as long as they keep working, he keeps using them. And somewhere in that file cabinet, there's a file labeled David Jeremiah. In this file, he writes, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there was a notation that reads something like this. Person may be prone to discouragement, especially if he becomes overly wary. This has worked several times before and seems a promising method of attack. Suggestion, make sure he stays very busy, overcommitted, and physically tired. At all costs, keep him from extended times of Bible reading and prayer. So what's Satan's strategy for you? What's written on the pieces of paper within your file folder? I can guarantee you that the devil will attack you physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And he will do that with the five D's of depression, disillusionment, distraction, deception, and deceit. When I'm physically or mentally lousy, then I suffer depression. When I'm attacked emotionally, I feel anxious and inadequate in all I do, and I suffer disillusionment. 
When I'm overwhelmed with all kinds of worries and responsibilities, then I am distracted. When I'm told lies and believe them as truth, then I'm attacked with discouragement. And when I'm attacked spiritually, I wonder whether or not God is there or even cares. And that's when I suffer doubt. And the time that I have left this morning, I want to teach you from the beginning to the end portions of this text how to daily overcome the devil's attacks and to be dressed for battle. By putting on this spiritual armor that Paul is going to, to give us, I want to skip verses 12 and 13 for now, and I'll come back to them in just a moment. But let's look at verse 14 in the first piece of spiritual armor. Paul writes, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The Greek word for truth is aletheia. And this is the name that Roger and Tiffany Hayes gave their daughter. How cool is that? Aletheia, truth. And the belt of truth on the Roman soldiers where they would carry their sword and their dagger. It was essentially what held the rest of the pieces of the armor together. The main point of the belt of truth is not the part of the armor that it's associated with. That's the metaphor. The point is that we need to live in truth. To put on the belt of truth means to put your full trust in God's truth and in what he, he says, because truth is what holds us together. Right? Truth is what holds us together. You put on the belt of truth when you say, devil, I don't believe your lies. Instead, I believe what Jesus Christ says about me in his word and what Jesus did for me on the cross. And that the grave is empty and he is alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. Just like the Bible says, that's truth. Back in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul wrote that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Remember that? He also went on to write in the following verses in chapter 1 that we've been raised with Christ and we're seated with him. It says that we have been chosen, adopted, we've been sealed, we've been redeemed, we have been forgiven. Putting on the belt of truth means choosing to trust what God has done for us more than how we feel at the moment. If you believe God's truth, then you'll be able to stand against the devil's schemes. It will be like a belt that supports you so that you can stand courageously in the face of the enemy. He says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and then having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The second piece of this spiritual armor is the breastplate of righteousness. What purpose did the breastplate of righteousness serve for the Roman soldier? It's the same thing that we see today in modern warfare. The breastplate was made to defend and protect the vital organs specifically the heart, the lungs, and the stomach from the enemy's attacks. It's the same today with our policemen and our, our military members. They wear a bulletproof vest. Why? Because they can lose an arm and a leg and still live, but they cannot lose their vital organs and still survive. 
So what is Paul trying to convey here? He's saying that righteousness protects us in the vital areas of our relationship with God. Paul is saying that if we don't live and walk in righteousness, then the enemy is going to take us out. He's going to attack us right at our core. And if he is successful, he will destroy us. He will defeat us. Righteousness simply means to be made right, to be free from guilt or sin. And the Bible states in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sent for us so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. See, righteousness protects us in the vital areas of our relationship with God. The attack of the enemy is disqualification. He comes to us and he says, remember that sin you committed? You're disqualified. That mistake you made, you blew it. You're a failure. How many of you ever entertain thoughts like that? I know I have. And when we're not living and abiding in the righteousness of God, we'll begin to believe those lies as if they're truth. We'll start to believe that we're not qualified, that we're a failure, that we blew it. And yeah, God's mad at us. But church, you will never walk in victory as a follower of Christ if you don't believe that your past is forgiven and forgotten. The devil says you can't do it no matter how hard you try. You just can't do it. That's him taking a jab at the core of your spiritual being. At those vital organs again and again just jabbing you. And as I was praying this past week, here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Some of you have been forgiven of sins that took place last week, last month, last year, or even a decade ago. But you're still defeated by your sin. You still beat yourself up over it. And the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Stop walking in condemnation because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Take up the breastplate of righteousness and put it on. He says, stop living in condemnation. If you've confessed and repented of your sin, you're forgiven and you're free in Jesus' name. And Paul writes in verse 15, And as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The third piece of the spiritual armor is the gospel of peace. He says here, having put on the readiness. Readiness in verse 15 speaks of preparation or readying yourself. You've got to be in the Word. You have to be readying yourself for all conditions. Caden, this past Wednesday, my son ran his first 5K of, this, of the season against Middleton. And for months, he's been readying himself. He's been in preparation. The coach has him out there running on a variety of different service, surfaces from dirt and grass to mud and asphalt to everything in between. He's ran in all types of conditions. This past Wednesday, it was freezing cold and windy, and he ran that 5K. He done, he's done this to maintain his pace through constant changes of footing, elevation, environment, in order to be prepared for whatever conditions he needs to run in. Paul's saying that we have to do the same thing. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared. 
the Roman soldier, when he was in battle, needed to be prepared as well to be able to dig in and be able to stand firm no matter what conditions he faced. What Paul is saying is you need to have a firm grip on who you are in Christ and be rooted in the gospel of peace if you're going to survive this war. The devil tries to attack us all the time through stress, anxiety, and fear. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be, be made known to God. And the peace of God, that supernatural peace, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Instead of giving in to the stress, instead of giving in to the fear, instead of giving in to the anxiety, put on, ready yourselves with the gospel shoes of peace. Verse 16, Paul writes, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The fourth piece of the armor is the shield of faith. Do you see it there in verse 16 like I see it? The word all? Not just some. He said, but take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. This was a door-sized shield that the Roman soldiers carried. It's over five foot tall. It was heavy. It was large. It was big enough that the Roman soldiers could crouch behind it and hide. It was wrapped in leather and they would soak it in water so that when the, the fiery darts of the enemy came at them, they would be extinguished upon contact. It is noted that the soldiers would connect their shields together. These shields were made for connection. So they would line up with the other soldiers and they would connect their shields of faith so that they could defend themselves and create this large wall of protection against the enemy. And if I'm out there in the world and I'm on my own and I'm just going about life and if I'm going to take up the shield of faith, where am I vulnerable to attack? behind and the sides, right? That's the same for a person who says, I don't need church, I don't need other Christians, I'm good with just myself and God. Church, we are vulnerable when we try to do life on our own. A favorite line of mine from the movie Gladiator is from General Maximus, who is preparing for a battle. That seems like an inevitable loss. And he calls out to the other soldiers under his command and says to them, whatever comes out of these gates, we've got a better chance of survival if we work together. If we stay together, we will survive. We will survive. Sometimes your faith isn't enough to get you through a situation. Why? Because it was never meant to be. Stay connected to the church. Stay connected to each other. Remember the theme of Ephesians chapter 4 that Matt preached on. Unity. It's unity that connects us. We need to be united with one another. We need to take up our shields and connect them and stand together as one united church. 
Is there any doubt why, why the enemy is trying to sow, sow division today in the church? He wants to separate us and isolate us so that he can pounce on us and defeat us and destroy us. Friends, we cannot fight this battle alone. Next, Paul says in verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation. That's the fifth piece of the spiritual armor. The Roman soldier had the breastplate that covered all of his vital organs, but then he had the helmet that covered his head, his brains, his face, and his neck. It was important for his neck to be covered in this battle because his enemy could come and take out his long sword and knock off his head. Friends, you cannot survive without your head. If you can't keep your thinking in line with God's word, you're going to lose your head to the enemy, right? You've got to keep your head. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. He also wrote in Philippians 4, 8, 9, think on things that are true and whatever is noble and right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. We have to watch our thinking. Because if the enemy could take our thoughts captive, he can take us captive. The latter part of verse 17 says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And Paul is moving now in, into the offensive weapons as he mentions this sixth piece of the spiritual armor. Now we have our sword, which is the Word of God. And, and of course, the Word is mentioned in all these other um, parts of the armor, pieces of the armor too. But Paul's telling us here again to study the Word of God, to memorize it, to know it, to know what it says, which gives us the ability to stand firm against the enemy's lies. Listen, your ability to overcome Satan is directly proportionate to your knowledge of the Word of God. Your child's ability to overcome Satan is directly proportionate to their knowledge of the Word of God. So learn it, read it, memorize it, and meditate upon it. I told you that we would come back to verses 12 and 13. Let's read them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul is saying that this enemy is a spiritual one. It's not with people. It's not with that person who wounded you. It's not with your boss. It's not with your coworkers. It's not with your husband or your wife or that friend who's turned on you and is gossiping about you. Your battle is not with flesh and blood. It's with these principalities and powers. But what do we do? We end up fighting each other, and that's why Paul reminds us flesh and blood are not our enemy. They're not our enemy. And then in verse 18... He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication, which means praying for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The seventh and final piece of the armor is prayer. You might be thinking, how could prayer be 
a part of the armor. Many times people leave prayer out as they describe the armor of God. But prayer is the main part of the armor. It's the main one. Again, remember Paul is writing this letter while he's in prison. He's under the company of this Praetorian guard, this Roman soldier. And the Roman soldiers, they were elite guards. They were trained to be alert, to be on alert constantly, to be constantly aware of what was happening around them. And what Paul is saying to you and I, just as the Roman soldiers were constantly alert, we need to be constantly alert in prayer. Prayer is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's not attending the worship gathering like we had this past week on Friday. It's a lifestyle. You pray while you're driving. You pray while you're in, your, in the shower. You pray while you're walking through the grocery store. You pray while you're working. You're constantly praying. Paul says pray without ceasing. Are you in conflict with someone? Pray. Are you tempted? Pray. Are you feeling discouraged or overwhelmed? Pray. Do you see or read something that grieves your heart? Pray. Do you need wisdom for a decision? Pray and ask God for it. Have you told someone you'd pray for them? Pray. Go to your heavenly Father and pray. How are we to pray? He says pray in the Spirit. What's that mean? Does it mean praying in a specific language? could be a part of it, but he's saying, I want you to pray in the Spirit, not in your flesh. I don't want you to pray your own will. I don't want you to pray for your own needs. I want you to pray in the Spirit. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. We pray out loud. We pray in groups. We pray alone. We pray in silence. He says, I want you to pray all kinds of prayer. All prayer. He says, keep alert with all perseverance. We're to watch and pray. A spiritually alert people are a prayerful people. He says, I want you to make supplication for all the saints. Notice in the Lord's Prayer, it says, our Father who art in heaven, not my Father who art in heaven. It's our Father. We're to pray for one another. And he says here also, and also pray for me. Paul asked for prayer. He asked for prayer for boldness and clarity. This is the prayer of the shepherd teacher. If Paul needed it, we surely do as well. Are you praying for your pastors and elders? Are you praying that God would give them boldness and clarity to preach the Word of God each week? Like Paul, we need you to pray for us. We, you don't need us up here speaking our words. You need us up here speaking the words of heaven. Our words cannot, can maybe can motivate you, but they cannot save you like these words can. We need you to pray for us. In conclusion, the spiritual battle we're in as Christ followers is fierce and strong. Expect it to be so. We are to be involved in spiritual warfare on a constant daily ba basis, battling not only for our own soul, but for the souls of others. People are falling prey to Satan all the time, but you don't have to. You can stand. We can stand together. We can link our shields of faith together and be victorious in the face of the enemy. 
Remember, this isn't a battle between flesh and blood, but this is a spiritual battle against cosmic powers, rulers, and authorities in high places. Therefore, we don't fight each other. We fight together in unity. We link our shields of faith together. It takes a, an awareness. It takes an alertness from all of us to what is actually going on in our world today. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God and pray in the spirit at all times. Be dressed, church, for battle. You stand to your feet with me. If I could have the worship team come. So now what? So now what? Back in Ephesians 4.27, Paul said, don't give ground to the devil. Don't give ground to the devil. What is the ground that he's referring to? It's an area of jurisdiction. And I want to ask this morning, have you given ground to the devil through open doors of immorality, bitterness, unforgiveness, disobedience, greed, or wherever you've left yourself exposed to the enemy? If so, what should you do? You need to reclaim the ground that you've given the devil and his evil forces. Have you ever heard of squatter rights? It's a real thing. I know people who have dealt with this. It's when you allow somebody to occupy a place where they don't pay rent and that they don't own, and you allow them to stay there for a while, they receive what's known by the state as squatter rights, rights to occupy that space. Friends, it's time to evict the devil and his demons. She might say, how? How do you get free from anything? How do you change anything? You confess it. You confess that you have a need. Then the Bible says that you repent. Repent means to, to turn away from and to go in the opposite direction. You make a choice to change. Matt shared at our prayer gathering, 1 John 1 9, just before we took communion, he says, he read there, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us if we confess. Then we claim the blood of Jesus. See, Satan carried a document to the cross to Jesus and said, here, look, here's a list of all the sins. This person has sinned. I have occupancy rights to their soul and Jesus took that document he ripped it up and canceled it with his own blood he went to the cross on our behalf then we need to ask God to take back surrendered ground 
once we accept the blood of Christ, Satan loses his claim to the ground of your soul. This next one, if needed, we need to seek forgiveness from those who have wronged us or we've wronged. We need to tear down the strongholds, the lies that the devil has set up in our mind. And in their place, we need to build up fortresses of truth. Fortresses of truth. By renewing our thinking. Paul said in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He was saying, I want you to build up new fortresses of truth. I want you to put in place and practice new disciplines to keep you from falling back into the same patterns of sin. You say, why? I ask God to forgive me. I ask God to take this away from me, but it still keeps coming up. And God's saying this morning, I've given you all the things that you need to walk in freedom. Build up fortresses of truth. Clothe yourself with this weaponry. Seek help and accountability. Do this together in community. You weren't meant to do this alone. So if I could have your eyes closed and your heads bowed. Friends, I prayed and I know that God's here in this place. His Holy Spirit has been speaking as I've been sharing. And I'm confident this morning that the enemy wants to destroy, but I'm confident this morning that, that Jesus wants to bring hope to your life today. He wants to set you free in areas that you've allowed the enemy to torment you in. If you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with any of those five Ds, depression, disqualification, doubt, and on and on, discouragement this morning, Jesus wants to set you free. He doesn't want you to walk in condemnation. He doesn't want you to walk in fear. He doesn't want you to walk in anxiety. He wants you to live free. So if you would say, Lance, as you were speaking this morning, the Holy Spirit was illuminating areas of my life where the enemy has taken up space in my soul. And I want to be free there. I want to be free. I want to be able to stand strong in the face of the enemy. I want to be able to defeat the enemy. Friends, I pray this morning that you would get a glimpse who you are in Christ and what Christ has accomplished for you. If we could only see that with our heart and not with our head, it's not enough to have an intellectual knowledge of these things. We have to allow this truth to saturate our minds and our hearts so that we can stand boldly in the face of the enemy and say, you are a liar. You're the father of lies. I evict you right now in Jesus' name. I want you to raise your hand and just pray that right now in your own way. I evict you in Jesus' name. I cast you out there in Jesus' name. I cast you out depression in Jesus' name.
I cast you out anxiety in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to work throughout this auditorium this morning, this gym, Lord, setting people free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Let the Lord forgive you this morning. Let Him set you free. Let Him seize your hands and receive from the Lord right now. Let's, let's worship Him together. And I want you to, to press in and tap into God's power supply as we worship together.